0: Hey, what's going on guys? This is Chats with Max. I got an awesome interview here for you. We got Stephen Borelli, the founder of Cuts Clothing. This guy is killing it when it comes to e-commerce. He raised $40,000 in crowdfunding, and I'm super excited for you to hear his story. So without further ado, let's get into it. Travel, entertainment, fashion, photography, social media, business, music, this is Jets with Max.
1: Yeah, well, uh, it's a it's a pleasure to thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, so we launched to September twenty seventh, uh, two thousand sixteen, uh, and we are a direct to consumer men's uh, clothing brand, and we sell all through social media and uh, Facebook.
0: Anyways, man, so what about the uh, the introduction of Cuts Clothing? Where did it all start? What were your inspirations about getting this thing going?
1: Yeah, so at the time, uh, it was uh, twenty. 15, 2014. And, um, one, I saw my buddies start a, a watch company at the time I uh, had bought, I had bought in a watch and I thought, you know what, this watch, it's not that nice. There's no way they're going to make it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then a year later they're telling me their numbers and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe you did it. So then at that moment, moment I became obsessed with, uh, starting my own direct to consumer brand and get doing something online. And at, and at the same time that was going on, um, I was wearing a lot of Lululemon shirts and I saw a lot of my friends wear Lululemon shirts. And one of my friends, uh, I gave, I gave him one of my, uh, pieces of clothing. I think it was uh, the five-year basic tee. And he said, I would never wear Lululemon Mm -hmm. six months down the road. He was wearing it and he had five shirts. And then at that time I was thinking, you know what, maybe there's something here. Maybe, maybe I could do something in terms of, create a men's brand with those same type of fabrics and mm-hmm. put a little spin on it. And then that's where cuts was born.
0: And did you kind of knock the price down a little bit when it came to c- comparing to Lululemon or what was the strategy on that?
1: So we don't necessarily sell on being cheaper because uh, yeah. we're not significantly cheaper, but we are about 20% uh, cheaper than Lululemon.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I could see that. And uh, so, so when it came to creating this t-shirt, you saw a little success, with your buddy you're saying, right?
1: Yeah, I saw a little success with uh, my buddy and he was wearing it and then all of a sudden he was like, guys, you gotta wear, wear these. I wear them to work, I, I wear them everywhere. And then I was like, you know what? There's not a clothing brand that really just focuses on one thing and does one thing really great. Yeah, That being just shirts, you know, the ones that me and you are wearing today. So to me that was important to, to really keep the brand simple and to focus on one thing and do it really great.
0: Mm-hmm. And tell me about it. So what was the uh, initial actions you took into play when it came to getting this idea, not just on paper, but actually into the real world into production?
1: Yeah, so to kind of fast backtrack to where I was, I was I had this idea, but I was working at a, uh, an advertising agency and didn't have a lot of time. So at 25, I was three two two years out of school, I moved back from San Diego to into my parents' basement and was like, all right, let's, I'm going to go all in on it. Yeah. Um, so I, I went, moved back home to uh, Washington state and really just started researching fabrics. Uh, what type of fabrics were moisture wicking you could, but also look nice. That didn't look like a gym shirt. And I uh, kind of dove in, dove in that way.
0: So you moved into your parents' basement and what kind of perspired from there?
1: So that actually was really tough. Um, I went from being a really social guy at uh, you know went to San Diego State, was in a fraternity, you know had lots of friends in San Diego to you know moving back to Wenatchee, Washington, which is a really small town, really great place to live, but just, just not really uh, a town with young twenty five year olds doing things. Yeah. But it, w- w- it was such a and I look back in hindsight, it was it was the perfect place for me. Um, one, I had my mom's cooking in the morning and my parents' guidance to kind of help me you know, you know get over those initial humps. Uh, of just like the struggle. And when you're starting a business, you don't know anything. What now is easy for me at the time was so hard making contacts, doing something I had no clue about being home kind of gave me the stability of not having to have a rent check so I could you know, take all my money from my job that I was working there. Um, and, uh, put it into the business. So that was really good. Really.
0: You pretty much cut all of your overhead when it came to moving back home. Exactly. Which is really kind of like tucking your ego back, but yeah, (laughs) especially after, uh, graduating college.
1: Yeah. No one at 25, uh, when you think you're on top of the world wants to move into their parents' house. But, uh, I think it taught me such a good lesson on like commitment. Um, now, you know, moving home, I wasn't going to move home and not make it work. You know, I didn't want to be that guy that moved home to do this idea. Then it failed. It just that wasn't going to be who I was going to. It's not. That's not what was going to happen. So I moved home, and I was like, "All right, it is. Uh, you know, close to Christmas time, 2015. I'm going to launch August or September of the next year. I'm going to give myself like six to eight months to kind of get the idea down, mm-hmm. get the Kickstarter, uh, you know, stuff done and um, and then I'm going to launch in September. So that whole year I was flying in and out of LA, talking to uh, fabric vendors, sleeping on my buddy, Ethan's couch, who is actually my roommate now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just kind of going through that process. And that process was a lot of nos, working with shady people that didn't want to talk to you and knew you didn't know anything. And, uh, but through that process, I did really learn the, the garment world. Yeah. Um, and then we, so then we launched, uh, September 27th. 2016 for and the kickstarter for the kickstarter okay yep. okay yeah, we, yeah. Wa- we launched september 27 2016 and i have to say it was the most nervous uh i've ever been
0: <laughs> <laughs> that day that day yeah. okay okay and then how did that turn out for you
1: um i remember my parents have like this little pool in their backyard and no one was home they were in new york and i was pacing around the pool for like for like the hour before the right. campaign. Oh, before I was <laughs> yeah. going to say
0: during, I could see yourself doing during the <laughs> campaign <laughs> and,
1: and I was pacing. And then all of a sudden uh, there's like this red button you have to press to make it go live. And yeah. What I did was I, I had contacted a hundred people and I was like, Hey, I don't care if you buy, but if, cause you know, I didn't want to be pushy, but if you, if you're going to all, I would like you to just share it on Facebook. So
0: just if Damn, you, that, that was smart because that's not a uh, financial investment on their side. It's the, just them kind of sharing your idea to other people, which is really what you want when it comes to a Kickstarter.
1: Totally. And, and yeah. I, had, I had called everyone like twice. Like I created like a little sales funnel. I was like, all right, I'll call them August 1st, and then I'll call them August 15th, and then I'll call them September 27th and just told them, hey, this is what I'm doing. And, and I also did a, a few Facebook Lives just to tell people what I was doing. And at the time, Facebook had just came out with that feature, so they were really promoting them. Yeah, these, They were getting like 3,000 to 6,000 views oh, wow. every time I did a Facebook Live. So that was kind of just a, a growth hack, just right time.
0: Yeah, because essentially they kind of work the algorithm around that promotes content that's uh, using their new features, right? Exactly. I've heard that Instagram does kind of a similar thing too. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah no, and, and uh, so when I, I told everyone, I said, hey, we're gonna do September, uh, 27th at 7 a.m. And at 7 a.m., I we launched and I thought, hey, no one was going to buy. That's what I was thinking. Oh, nothing, it's not going to happen. It's done. All this year moved home. And then we did $10,000 within the first like three minutes of the campaign. And that was our goal. And then we ended up doing uh, 40000 in, in the month. And it really kind of kickstarted our, our business through,
0: through your Kickstarter campaign? through the Kickstarter. Campaign. you you got 40,000 from the beginning to end yeah wow 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 yeah that's crazy and what was the structure when it came to your campaign like were people were just buying like they weren't buying like shares in your company or anything so what was the uh because i know usually when you do a kickstarter or gofundme you have kind of like rewards for how much people give right so what how what was that structure for you
1: so kickstarter makes it tough you can't buy like a shirt so you have to buy like a, a reward. So it was like we just made it simple. Um, we had a bunch of shirts that what we would ship, and we would send you a survey later. But you would just like reward one was like five bucks and and you get uh, um, written on a thank you card, you know, And then the second one was fifty nine bucks, and you got two shirts. The third one was eighty nine and you got three, and then it went up to ten shirts. And what was crazy was, you know, I put the 10 shirts there and, uh, and, uh, eight shirts. I think I went one, two, three, four, five, eight and 10. Yeah. And then we had like 10 people buy the eight and like five people buy the, the 10 shirts. So it really gave you chunks of change essentially to, to fund it. Um, and I would even now still, I'm just amazed of how many shirts people end up buying for their first time, trying out a brand. It's, it's, Pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, that is crazy. That is crazy. So you got this funding, and then what was the next step?
1: The next step was about eight months.
0: Yeah, you were sitting on basically forty thousand, right? Yeah. And I'm sure uh Kickstarter takes. What's the percentage that they We ended, up, we they ended take? up
1: getting like thirty-seven-five back, I think. Was oh, that's it.
0: a pretty good deal for yeah. how much they helped you get, you know?
1: And then we did launch on Indiegogo, which we did another like ten thousand. I want to say I, I don't know, maybe it was less than that, but some money on there as well.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so you had $37,000 and what was the plan after that?
1: So the plan was, I didn't really know what I was doing. I know I had a production order to fulfill and we were working with this one manufacturer in LA who really wasn't a good manufacturer. They, uh, didn't really know how to make good garments and, but you know, I didn't really know garments that well at the time. So we, we said, Hey, we're going to use him to fulfill the order. And I think what Really kind of trial by fire, really. Trial by fire, and there was yeah. definitely a lot of fire. We uh, <laughs> he won the forty thousand dollars was about we needed about eighty because with minimums, so I had to leverage a few credit cards in the beginning.
0: Jeez, uh, yeah. that, that's hella riskier.
1: Yeah, it was, but um, and then they ended up producing the units where some of the Henleys were like off-centered, and so in we terms had, of where the buttons were, where the buttons were, yeah. So it, the first production run, when we delivered them to the Kickstarters at the time, um, all, all, some of the styles it was like probably sixty percent came out good, forty percent came out bad, and uh, we delivered them two months late. We were supposed to deliver them in you know February, but they ended up delivering in Aug in April. Um, and so we delivered all these goods. Some of them came out good, some of them came out bad, and then you know I'm thinking in my head, oh the company's done too many people are gonna not like them. Um, but we ended up just telling the people that didn't like him, Hey, you can get another future order, um, for something that you may like. Um, but, and then all the people that liked it, um, you know, kept buying. And from that moment on, we, I just realized how important it was to kind of learn the process a little bit more. So we switched manufacturers and we got to where we are now, which they do a phenomenal job and it's been the best thing for us. I realized a lot of it is selling. Now, on one side, you want to be able to sell a product, but having your supply chain dialed in and right, right at that time, I brought on my buddy Carter to do all the finances and really get the supply chain down. And he was a real blessing. Um, cause he's kind of exact opposite of me. Uh, he, he is, you know, very, uh, numbers centric and I'm more creative. And so having that partner, having him find me was such a, a great, great thing for the business. I
0: can see that. It sounds like a great match because honestly, any business that survives, they got their books together, you know, because I feel like that can be an Achilles heel when it comes to any kind of startup for sure. And uh, when it came to this uh, manufacturer that, that uh, messed everything up, I would honestly think that consistency is is really like a main pillar when it comes to any company whether it's textiles uh my uncle for example he owns like a juice chain in uh, austin dallas like all around texas called daily juice and uh, i was entering there one summer and i realized like some of the workers didn't give us sh- you know didn't really give a shit about the ratios of the fruit they were doing for these smoothies but then i realized that's kind of the pri- proprietary formula that's really making their sales you know and that comes down to where your Henley is sewn and all of that, right?
1: Yeah, I mean consistency is everything. I think yeah. having consistency for us has been a strength now since then. Um, but kind of going off that, and uh, one thing I just want to touch on is when I started the business, I was like, "Hey, do I bring on a partner? Do I not?" You know, it's 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 so hard to to uh, to decide that. But I think I, I got a partner right at the perfect time. I think in the beginning phases, I needed to conceptualize the idea. And I, and it would have been a detriment to have someone else to report to someone else at that phase, that first year being a home, I needed it to be mine. And then at the same time, when he came on, it was just the, it was, it was the right timing because he really fulfilled the need that the business had at that time of doing supply chain and doing finances. And so I think that's just like a great lesson I have of, of when you're bringing on people is wait till it becomes a need and then go find or to let them find you. And a lot of times, like Carter found me. And so, uh, um, I think that was just something I really learned at that point.
0: What did that process look like with him finding you? Did he like find you on social or what was the story with, that?
1: we played basketball with each other and, uh, and we were friends. We, uh, kind of, we knew each other growing up and, you know, he went to Washington state college and I went to, uh, San Diego state. So we weren't as close during those years. But then when I moved back home, he kind of wanted to fulfill his entrepreneurial side. So, uh, it kind of was just a match made in heaven. Mm. Uh, one story real quick. I want to just touch on is, so we finally got, so fast forward, we, we got got to a new, new manufacturer. We're finally in, uh, the right place in terms of production. That's all figured out. But then we were like, all right, we got to start selling on Facebook. We spent a thousand dollars, which to us at the time was a lot of money on Facebook and it didn't work. And so, you know, one, because our website was crap, Mm-hmm. and uh our our imagery imagery was really just garbage
0: that you were uh, doing the ads with yeah oh man yeah it, it, i've it, heard it, that that's everything when it comes to a facebook ad for sure
1: yeah no it, it really was uh it's really important so we kind of took a step back and all and we just kind of so, just built and sold through influencer marketing in the early days from about april to august and we built up our supply chain we built up supply built up our images um and at that point we just started sending shirts out to influencers mm-hmm to one, potentially sell a shirt and two, to, uh, um, get content. Cause that was, you know, being a, a t-shirt brand that, uh, you can't try it on. The content is everything. Essentially. Yeah. But you know,
0: there's a lot of people that want to start their own clothing brand and they're in that beginning phase. And how did you get your influencers when I'm assuming you had a smaller following in the beginning? Right. So what was the strategy that you started with there?
1: Um, well, it really was a hustle. I mean, uh, was it just a numbers game? You just had to hit game.
0: like hundreds, if not thousands of people. And then you had a couple of yeses really. And it was it trade or paid or a uh, well, combination. Only no,
1: just trade like one photo for three to five images. And some people wanted a hundred bucks. So like, um, but some people, um, didn't, but honestly the best way I do about it, like the second baseman for the Yankees, Tyler Wade, uh, he, we had like 9,500 followers. So re- really, not a lot or maybe 6,500 and I was like, yo dude, I love your profile. I got a shirt with your name on it. What's your address? Didn't even ask for a photo. And then he sent me his address. I sent him a photo. He loved it. And then he's, you know, started sending us photos after that. He, that.
0: he kind of spread some love for you.
1: Yeah. So I think with that, what the lesson I learned was don't ask for photos if you can't pay for any, especially in those early days when, I mean, now we'll spend five grand on, on, on an influencer, but, uh, um, At that point, we just kind of give like, you know, we just say, hey, we love your profile. We got a shirt with your name on it. What's your size and address?
0: And and I think a a big issue with people who are starting off, I've even seen it too, especially uh, with my girlfriend and her page, like some smaller companies will ask for way too much for one for a trade deal. And it's like. You, you kind of, I, I'm sure you kind of figured out what works and what doesn't when it came to that, right?
1: Yeah, totally. I think, I mean, it's all case by case, right? Yeah. Some people just love your product and they want it every month and they'll over deliver and, and hey, it works out. Like, And actually this guy in Florida, uh, my buddy Eddie now, he's a buddy. We had 600 followers. and He's like, dude, I love what you're doing. I'll shoot for you for the rest of time if you just give me free shirts. And he was like most of our content in the beginning. He would go out, get models. I mean, he was amazing. Eddie, if you're watching this, you're the man. Um, and he was just kind of that first bridge of really making it work. So I, I always say when you start a business, you're, you'll be amazed at who, what type of people find you all over the world. And it just takes that risk to jump. Yeah. Um, because I Which think-
0: is what stops a lot of people from even jumping into the pool in a sense, you know?
1: Exactly. And uh. so that was a huge lesson I learned was just each phase, you're not really going to know what's going on, but if you kind of use your intuition and and ask the right questions, the right people will find you. And uh, I've really, we've really built a community of people that want to go places. And that's, you know, everything about the brand. Mm -hmm. So
0: you had all this uh, building that you did once you got the 37,000 and you had some success now from bridging from the beginning into where we're at now. I mean, what's different? What styles are you doing differently? I saw that on your website. You kind of have a build your own process when it comes to ordering a t-shirt. So where did that come all into play? And what were your first designs, by the way, too? You had the Henley, and then what else did you have?
1: Um, To get into a little bit more uh, details of what we do is we allow customers to shop by cut. So we let them pick uh, what kind of collar they want, a crew neck, v-neck, or Henley, and then a, a different bottom cut which is like an elongated, uh, a split hem and a regular all, you know, so you have six, six options, uh, f- three different color options and three different, um, uh, bottom cuts and then any combo. So there's quite a bit of options with one shirt. And the reason why we wanted to do that was we realized that the cut, like the average man, a lot of times will wear a black shirt every single day, the ha- <laughs> You, when I'm wearing one right now. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I usually wear black. I, yeah. like, I still wear like one shirt just cause I love wearing black. Yeah. But, uh, um, so we realized like, how do we make that different for him? And, you know, so a guy can wear a split hem, elongated and uh regular all in one week, but it's all a different shirt kind of. Um, and so we really wanted to make the shopping process simple for guys. No, no logos, but really premium, uh, fabric so we we made our own fabric in taiwan it's called uh we named it pika and then uh it's a tri-blend we use there's two versions of it one has tensile base one has polyester we do that because some people are allergic to polyester so they have a different option Mm -hmm. but uh um, which i'm
0: sure you found out uh through experience that way (laughs) someone was
1: allergic and they were like hey man like you got to let people know and so we just made a second option.
0: How did, okay. But, and how did you handle that issue? Cause that's a fire you got to put out as a, as a founder. So what was the process like for that? Did you compensate them or what, what was the story?
1: Um, yeah, I just gave him f- five free shirts.
0: Okay, nice. And then and, they were kind of happy in,
1: in their, in their fabric and they were fired up because it was a new brand and they, we pretty much made it, we pretty much made them the change for him. So it was kind of a a cool thing for him, I think to see like, Oh, this brand's listening and they're acting on it. Yeah. Awesome. So then, uh, we, so then we finally get to August and we're like, all right, we're ready to try Facebook again. We wanted to be a digital, a direct to consumer business. Uh, we didn't want to do wholesale. So we had to make f- selling on Facebook, Instagram work. And, uh, we finally had some good images and we had this one shirt. It was a green, uh, short sleeve, Henley elongated. So it was a Henley short sleeve, but it had the elongated. Mm -hmm. and we ran a facebook ad and like usually this doesn't happen with facebook now that i'm spending thousands of dollars a day um we just are all of a sudden our cost per acquisition on that shirt was like five bucks and we were just really pumping and we sold out within like uh, 72 hours of, of uh of that shirt and so then we were like all right we can actually sell these online and then from there we uh We really just Facebook and has been our 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 catalyst for our business. We're, you know, spending thousands of dollars a day now on Facebook. You know, doing a good amount per day on on order value or uh, units a day, and uh, all through just you know one day at a time, starting with a fifty dollar budget a day, and then you know now going up to you know two or three thousand. So um, it was a, a long process, but in reality, it was only like eight months to kind of build it. And it
0: seemed like, uh, was it, was that green, uh, short sleeve elongated Henley? Was that kind of like your golden piece you had at the time
1: or? Yeah. You know, we didn't have to be right. We only had to be right once. And I, I always stress that like when, you know, a lot of times being a founder, I want to create the, everything in the wheel from like all different colors, all different cuts, but really it just was one skew that people really was 70% of our business the first two months and everyone wanted like that green color whether it was in a henley or a, a crew uh so it was it was cool to see one really hit that's awesome and man. we needed it too like in the beginning you need, <laughs> we needed yeah, we needed it you
0: need that injection of cash for sure that's awesome man well so, so what are we uh, what's going on with cuts right now current day so where are we looking at
1: yeah we're uh, and what,
0: what are you looking off to too
1: we you know if you where cuts wants to be one day if you think about um all the brands out there you have uh, you know, you have like the lower budget, uh, clothing brands like H and M, some of the ones that are in the fast fashion space. Uh, we don't really want to be there. We want to, if you look at where Lululemon is and they're more athletic, we want to be a, a bridge between where like Lululemon is for women, but for guys, but, but more everyday wear. So like, cause we, we believe the modern man is, is someone kind of like me and you was wearing, uh, you know, men's basics. Uh, to, to work every day. You know, we don't see a lot of guys wear suits to, I mean, uh, if you look around this office, I think almost everyone's in a t-shirt and we, and we want to do uh, men's premium base. I don't even like using the word basic men's premium upper garments and then get into like, you know, minimalist joggers mm-hmm. uh, stuff that you really, you can wear uh, when you're leaving the gym on a date and kind of be that premium, uh, premium brand What that, focuses on the comfort of the shirt and
0: you were saying that you're not aiming to really be in competition with like the fast fashion brands right so you wouldn't be necessarily uh apt to just hop on any trend that comes your way right you basically just want to be those pillar pieces when it comes to menswear
1: yeah i mean uh, you know one thing i always do is uh when i'm thinking about designing something and this kind of goes back to the beginning when i started the brand um Maybe I'll tie this story in because it'll make more sense. I originally started selling uh men's barbecue gloves and I hated it because I just wasn't proud to tell you about how oh I'm selling <laughs> barbecue gloves. Like right? private labeled or something like yeah, that. I bought a five thousand from uh China. I was like, Oh, they're only ten, twenty cents, but then the shipping ended up being more than the cost of the goods and I ended up losing like we ended up losing like five K because it wasn't it wasn't anything. Um And then I realized, all right, from that, I got to do something I'm passionate about. So I always start when I'm designing something. Am I absolutely going to love this? Like today when I was telling you we're coming out with like a a wider neck pocket tee and I'm really excited about I can't wait to go pick it up tomorrow and grab it. And I think whenever you're starting an idea, you just got to start there. It's got to be something that you would be proud to tell your friends about and that you love to do uh, because then, you know, people will see. And I think that's what makes our brand so great is that it is it's made by the people who are wearing it, you know, 25 to 32 year old men, uh, that are, you know, active lifestyle, but you know, like wearing minimalist stuff to the gym or to, to work. Uh, it really is who we are. So there's no BS involved. And I think we know how to target our market. Mm.
0: So what can we expect on the oncoming months for cuts clothing? We got this uh, wide neck Henley or or pocket pocket tee coming out. We
1: are going to do a a wider neck uh, Henley too. So it's a little bit wider and it comes down for summer. Mm -hmm. Um, In the Q3 and Q4, we'll have sweatshirts with different bottom cuts. Um, And then maybe early next year, we'll get into doing like joggers. And we're going to keep the cuts. Theology, you could say, is like we're always going to offer... Different cuts, so like with sweatshirts, you could still have an elongated or split hem potentially. Okay, and then with uh, pants, you could have it in, in a jogger or a maybe uh, a zip or a something zip. like yeah, that. Yeah, like kind of a different option within the the garment space to kind of keep it keep that brand alive. And it'll always be clothing that's like comfortable for everyday wear. You know, we we wouldn't do things that are uh, not necessarily premium, like everyday comfortable fabrics.
0: So along with these styles that you got coming down the pike. Uh, when it comes to the future of cuts, are you, you're planning on scaling up uh, your social ads, I imagine, and your influencer marketing. You know the costs on that and your expenditures per week. Any other kind of growth strategies that you have coming down for the uh, future? Uh,
1: I think we're going to be doing some collabs with certain influencers where they get to like make their own cut. Um, so they would get to design their own shirt and. Uh, you know, a certain style that they like and really So it can be authentic with their fans. Yeah. Um, mainly just expanding the brand and, and, you know, getting into, you know, if you look at the t-shirt space and long sleeve, like, you know, men's upper garments with a, that are light jerseys. Um, Jersey is refers to just like the weight of the shirt, but, uh, just t-shirts. There's so much, there's so much that we're not doing that. I think, you know, we still don't have like every color in the book book. We, uh, we don't have uh, necessarily um, all the Henleys that we could do, so I think just really kind of staying there and staying simple too um, is 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 big is going to be big for us. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, because it sounds like like you were saying that theology, the pillars of cuts as an idea and cuts as a company is just saying staying as those uh, essential menswear pieces, really. So just really expanding out from that idea, right? Well, man, I mean. This was awesome and I'm looking forward to seeing all your success in the future. I'm sure Thank for all the me. viewers are going to love it too. And before we get going, do you have any tips for anyone else uh, that's looking to start up a brand in general?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I touched on it earlier, but just really start where, where your passions are and you know, don't, don't try to make it too crazy uh, and really just go with your gut. I remember one of my friends goes, Hey cuts, like that sounds like a, a, a state company, you know, and they didn't get the vision. <laughs> and hashtag hater. No, hashtag kidding. hater. But, um, you know, I, I think in the beginning I didn't tell a lot of people. And then when it was ready, I came out hard. I think there's something to be said of just like, if you're really passionate, you've been thinking about it every day, give it a go and, and don't be discouraged by the early naysayers that may not understand what your vision is because they don't understand it. Cause it's all up in your head still. So they can't get in your head. So it's not really, you know, you can't get mad at them for not understanding it, but it's not something that they can visually see. You can. Mm-hmm. So by you getting, giving it time and really going through it, um, there's a lot of bad ideas out there that are really shitty ideas, but, uh, that still make it. So I think just really, uh, you know, given it, given it, you're all in, I think the biggest thing of starting anything is just commitment. You know, me being home, uh, you know, living at home was such a blessing in disguise because it really made me committed. And like, no matter what happened, I was going to get it done.
0: And just really diving into that tunnel vision of getting your idea into fruition.
1: Exactly. And I think that was like, and it, it's it really springboarded everything we do. And now we'll have problems, way bigger scale, but we'll get over, it won't even be an issue because we'll know how to handle it. It's so like all the little lessons I learned are keeping me from, not losing sleep at night. Cause we'll have a bigger PO when something will happen and I'll know how to handle it. So when you're starting a business, all those little lessons you should be really grateful for. I know it's, it's hard to think that in the moment, but, uh, they really do prepare you, you know, you, you can't like, I want to create a billion dollar business, but I'm not ready right now. I got to go through all of these different, uh, trials to teach me how to one day lead a team. So now when hardships come up or things come up, I, I, I have a better attitude because i know it's it's in training hey I, I missed that last time you know i'm gonna have to get it i'm gonna have to really um not you know i'm gonna take that lesson in up and and, and do it a better job the next time i kind of worked around a lot of words there on that one but uh so i think you know really just enjoying each step is big and just knowing that you're get you're in training
0: enjoy enjoy your trial by fire pretty much right yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> that's awesome man all right well well cheers thanks for having and, me yeah man no problem it was uh it was an awesome time hey guys this is max hope you guys love that interview with steven super cool guy you can find him on socials at cuts clothing one word i really appreciate you tuning in maybe go check out some of his stuff Maybe pick up some swag from his store. He's got a nice athletic fitting line of shirts. So go check him out. Super cool. And we got another hot interview coming at you about next Monday. So stay posted, stay tuned, and hit that subscribe button. We'll see you next week. Peace.